And now, back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we are back to Time 606. Let's go to line number four and talk with my friend Deborah from Castro Valley. Deb, how are you? I'm great, Pastor. How are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. We've had a stimulating first hour on a a number of of critical topics I'm looking forward to engaging in over the course of this week. But what's on your mind today? Well, once again, I'd like to to invite the mothers and the grandmothers and the godmothers and the aunts and sisters and nieces in your listening audience to come out and join us on this Saturday, November the 18th, Mm -hmm. from 10 to 12 at Grace Bible Church in Hayward for another wonderful fellowship with the Daughters of Grace. Sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. What are we talking about? Yes. The topic is, again, one of the Beatitudes, which is Be Thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And the presenter will be um, using the book of John, chapter 13, 2 through 15. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, she will be delving into what service means. Yeah. And she will also highlight the attributes of a servant. Okay. And many many people don't know that we're all servants, and not everybody knows how to do that. And so we're going to be talking about what that looks like. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's an extension, right, of a previous topic that had a triad of terms, prayerfulness, thoughtfulness, uh, prayerfulness, carefulness, and thoughtfulness, which was the last uh, DOG uh, about three or four weeks ago, which was a blast. It was a wonderful time. Exactly. Exactly. It is an extension of that. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll discuss um, digging a little bit more into thoughtfulness, into generosity, Mm -hmm. giving to others, acts of kindness and compassion. And it's my belief, Pastor, that it, it is learned more effectively when it's modeled and demonstrated. And because of our fallen nature, We are, by nature, very selfish and self-absorbed beings. And so the upline is going to, which are the older women in the church, will engage in a couple of projects with the downline, the younger ladies and the children. Mm -hmm. And one is reaching out, actually, to our sister church in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Right. um, Who who have been uh, dealing with a tremendous devastation, right? And then, and then the younger ladies and the and the children will be reaching out to the residents of uh, a convalescent hospital that we have adopted okay. to just to provide acts of kindness and thoughtfulness. And um, I was thinking about your your monologue your opening monologue last week, and I thought last week's program was just absolutely awesome, when you talked about the unprecedented amount of loss and devastation that that occurred over a relatively short period of time. Correct. Um, and I was thinking about that, the, the floods and the hurricanes in Texas and Florida and Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands, the shooting in Las Vegas, the fires in Napa Valley, the earthquake in Mexico, and then here lately the shooting in Texas. And a lot of people are dealing with a lot of loss and a lot of devastation, which for Christians, it it gives us tremendous opportunity to give and to share and to be thoughtful. And we are so blessed here in the Bay Area, Pastor. I agree. 
It's it, Thanksgiving is next week. Yep. We have a lot to yep. be thankful for, and and uh, we've been blessed with a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot that we can give to others, even if it's in the form of a prayer or uh, a thinking of you note card or a phone call or spending time with others, um, showing some form of compassion. Yep. Um, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. You're singing to the choir. You're singing to the choir. I mean, I don't (laughs) even really want to stop you, uh, only because um, everything that you're saying is um, a composite whole of an attitude uh, that is the fruit of gratefulness. I've said it before. Thankfulness is a revelation. It's not intuitive to our nature, as you and I agree, as being biblicists. We recognize that we're selfish by nature. So when we are able to look to others, it's a consequence of a transformational work of grace in our hearts. And then to give is uh, is simply the fruit of love, because that's what love is. It's not just a word. It's an it's an act. And when we mature in Christ, it leads to that, uh, especially when our motive is to glorify glorify God in it. But having stated all that you did, which was in some of my other notes uh, that I have in front of me concerning all of the devastation. Yeah. The devastation that's going Mm. on in all of the different Mm. places that you have Mm. noted. I have it here. And my point, my point would have been as well um, to, to make sure that we do not forget those people on some level coming up towards Thanksgiving, which will be the following week uh, next Thursday. Um, right. For us to uh, be able to have an opportunity to to practicate Titus chapter two, verses one through five, which is theology and practice. What Titus chapter two, verses one through five does is it presumes upon godly women, understanding the gospel, understanding the grace of God, the centrality of Jesus, and then taking that and translating that into a practical expression <clears throat> of female beauty in terms of giving and serving and supporting and edifying um, our sisters from a sister to sister paradigm. And that's the way you put it. I couldn't put it better. And I'm trusting that there are women out there who may not be prepared to give next Thursday because they're not they're not fueled or strengthened in their soul by a community of women that are ready to actually engage in that this this soon. But this Saturday will be an opportunity for them to sing, to pray, to hear an exposition of the concept of servanthood by another sister, and then to engage in a preparatory act of giving uh, on that level. And the sisters who visit, who are not part of grace, they can take the exhortation and apply it somewhere uh, next week uh, towards um, towards uh, Thanksgiving in the manner in which you said, just a phone call, um, a smile, right. a smile. I mean, right. sometimes that's right. all in a broken world like this. Sometimes a smile. I was I was riding my bike today because I am trying to um, bring quality to my health. Right. And so I'm, I'm riding from work uh, home and I'm going over the overpass on a street, Deb. And as I'm riding my bike uh, over the overpass, it's, it's fenced off by fences to keep uh, a, 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 a cyclist from running over into the vehicles and uh, a cyclist and a vehicleist collision is not a good day at all. So I appreciate the fence, but there was another mm-hmm. person walking over the bridge towards me as I'm riding. And we have to both negotiate the space because it's very tight. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm riding up and she's walking forward. And, you know, we're just in a culture where, 
you you know, people are wary of people, right? Yes. So yes. as I'm riding up, and I am <laughs> African American, <laughs> and I'm on a yes, bike, and I'm on a bike, right? Uh, and and I, I I just look like anybody else. I know I do. I, notwithstanding the fact I have a helmet on and a backpack, so I could be uh, misconstrued as a student. You know what I did? I smiled at her from a distance so that as we approached and crossed each other's paths, which would have mean that we would have been so close that if I had not negotiated my my writing carefully, I would have bumped into her. Mm-hmm. She had nowhere to go. She had she has the right away as a as a as a um, pedestrian. Right. 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 I could have stopped and just let her go by, but I decided to keep riding and hopefully I could just ride by her without bumping into her. But you could see that she was a little bit nervous. Now, she wasn't looking at first Latino sister, Asian sister. In fact, she was an Asian sister. Mm-hmm. She was looking mm-hmm. down and I, you could tell she was a little nervous. So I started smiling. She looked up and saw that I was smiling at her and she started smiling back and you could see her relax while I rode by. And relieved. And relieved. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Absolutely. There was nowhere, nowhere to go. If something would have right. happened right then and there, you know, she would have had to negotiate all of that uncomfortableness. But it was my responsibility to make sure that I let her know I don't have even the slightest of ill intentions towards you. I don't want you to run up on the fence so that you can give me more space than I need. I don't want to bully your space. I want to make sure that we can pass each other in a comfortable, civil, respectful, and even a pleasant way. She was so happy, and as was I. <laughs> Great outcome. Yes, and, and, and that's the whole point about um, what we're talking about, particularly in a day when things are getting difficult. You heard me yeah. talking to my previous caller about me being engaged in a race relations dialogue coming this Thursday. is going to be a big event at Faith Fellowship. Um, but mm-hmm. as you know, the topic, if it's not approached correctly, can have a horrible, horrible outcome. Absolutely. Right. Because of because of ignorance and a lack Mm -hmm. of preparation for very volatile Mm -hmm. subject matters. So I want to encourage Mm -hmm. the whole audience to be praying for me and three other pastors that we might actually be prepared to dialogue about these things in an accurate way um, and 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 actually promote um, a solution to a problem that is deep and profound. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm asking Mm -hmm. for, sister. and you will be, and you will be in prayer. I'd like to add um, one other thing, if I may. Sure. I was um, running the tape through my mind on when Daughters of Grace Ministry was born, and it is just a tremendous blessing to to realize that we're coming up on on two years. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was just thinking about the sisters um, who are members of the church and yeah. the sisters who come to visit when we have our presentations, and how, in fact, um, they have been blessed by this ministry. I want to just publicly thank you for um, your level of sensitivity and commitment to the women in your church and your commitment to their growth, both on a spiritual level and a personal level. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about some of the topics that we covered that were of such sensitive nature, Um, eating disorders, the mask that we wear, um, relationships, how do you have a 
uh, uh, God-honoring relationship as a single woman. Um, Topics such as that, and I could go on and on and on, but I know that many sisters have been blessed because um, the sisters that are a part of the core group, we share notes about different women having approached them and talked about how some of the topics just hit home and helped them to admit some things, to deal with some things, to look at some things that they need to look at. And, and that's, the, that, that's the springboard for growth. Yep. And to be a part of that has just been absolutely awesome. Uh, for me and my sisters uh, as, as the core group member. And I just want to say thank you for providing the platform for that. You know, we talked about it many years ago, and everything, you know, is is, is well in its season. There's a time and season for everything. And you and I would uh, uh, quickly agree that this is the season for that kind of uh, significant relationship between the uh, older women and the younger women and our daughters coming up in a uh, current climate and culture that definitely needs a clear expression of, uh, of relationship between mothers, daughters, uh, and other women uh, being able to link arms to actually practicate uh, scriptural pr- principles along these lines. I am excited about it. Every time we have a class and I have an opportunity to be there, I'm exceedingly blessed by the presence of God, the proclamation mm-hmm. of the word, and the character uh, presentation that our women have. We, You guys are standing in the pocket and honoring God and and, and I hear it all the time. I, what you hear is what I hear all the time about how people are blessed by those labors. So it's it's actually an honor for me to be a part of it. Uh, and I'm so glad, so glad. We're way overdue, Deb. You know how how it is when you and I talk. We way, we're way <laughs> yeah. we're way overdue. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad we are both on his team and you're on my team. I've got to let you go. Thank you for the call. Look forward to seeing you Saturday. And you as well. All right. Blessings. All right. I've got to go. I'll come back. one 367 one line open. Let's get at it. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back to the time 624. We do have one line open if you want to call and... Uh... Uh, add your comments or uh, bring up a new topic, one Let's go to line number two and talk with Don in Richmond. Don, what is your question, comment, or observation, sir? How are you doing, Pastor Jesse? I'm great. Uh, I'm calling to ask for prayer. For okay. All, who, all Christians that's listening, asking for you and your personal time, elders, just prayer, you know, from, from Christians. And Pastor Jesse, if I may um, read... Um, Deuteronomy 30, 1 through 4? Sure. To, and, and request of the kind of mercy I'm asking from the Lord. Uh, it says, uh, and I believe this is Moses talking to the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. It says, and it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shall obey his voice, According to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and we and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath gathered thee, scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out unto the outmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee, and from thence 
will effectually. And that's the kind of mercy I am begging for, for from you, the Lord. You will, you will get that in terms of prayer by the body of Christ. My brother, is there a particular nature or framework for which that text speaks to you? Yes. Uh, being far away from, uh, you know, after, let me put it this way. After having tasted of the Lord yeah. and knowing that he is good yeah. and to go back into foolishness. Yeah. Yeah. Is you know, I don't I don't leave room for myself for any excuses or no or, or sympathy. No, I'm no. not looking for that or any of that. Because no. I'm a fifty two year old man who knew exactly what I was doing. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know what it is to be in a dry and thirsty land. Yeah. I, I know what it is. I can agree with King David when he said, uh, "Same uh, thing." Oh, uh, he will warn sinners. That's right. Know, don't even flirt with this. Don't That's flirt right. with it at all. Don't tamper with it. Sin itself. I don't care what it is. Don't right. flirt with it. You know, just keep your eyes focused on Christ. And yes, you know, indeed. and that's where I'm at. And that is my prayer. And oh, one last thing. Yes, sir. In uh, Psalm one sixteen, where it says, "I love the Lord." This is the psalmist rejoicing. Yes, it is. Uh, after having his his prayers answered. Yes, sir. I love the Lord because He hath heard my voice yes, and indeed. my supplication. Yeah. Because He hath inclined His, his ear, ear unto me. Therefore, will I call upon him as long as I live? That's right. He says, the sorrows of death compassed me, right. and the pains of hell got hold, hold of me. me. Right. I found trouble and sorrow. And he says, then called I upon the, the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Mm -hmm. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto my rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. And here's the verse I really re re want to rejoice over, where he says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Yes, sir. Okay. I got you, That's brother. Right there. Blessings. Amen. I got you. I got you. Thank you, Pastor. Blessings, Thank brother, you, brother Don. Brother Don epitomizes in his own personal experience what none of you or myself can ever get away with individually, as a family, as a church, or as a nation. It just won't happen. You can puff yourself up. You can stand up, pull your own bootstraps up. You can call yourself righteous and holy. But when we sin at the level of displeasing God, and he begins to allow the consequences of sin to wreak its havoc, you can justify it all you want but he's going to scatter. He's going to put you in the takeaway mode. Read it for yourself. Isaiah chapter three. That's where we are in our nation. Takeaway until we actually experience enough humbling to where we are ready to now talk about a serious mode of repentance and confession. Uh, we will not experience the atonement necessary to bring about the kind of healing that we, uh, we need as a nation. Brother Don is a parable of that. Uh, and, and if you take both Psalms that he offered, you'll see that the only time that God returns in mercy and in favor is when we hit our knees. We can talk all we want to. Let me see. Let me go to line number uh, line number three and talk with Darren in Santa Clara. Darren, are you there? I'm here. What's your question, observation or comment, sir? So I have a question, brother. Um, a few years ago, a uh, New York judge, uh, he made a ruling that he believed that Texas Hold'em was a game of skill. And so 
that's how a certain case went. He called it a game of skill. While many others look at it as straight-up gambling, and I've known some professing uh, Christians to play um, Texas Hold'em as a profession, and so I'm calling for your thoughts on what you think about a profession, professing and practicing Christian uh, playing poker professionally. Right. Well, it's a it's a complete. Um abuse of our stewardship. It's a complete abuse of our stewardship. So a mature Christian would understand that his finances um, are a gift from God to be um, enjoyed, certainly, but also to be dispersed for the good of the kingdom of God. That's a mature Christian. He would understand that he doesn't really have leisure to take that which God has given him as First Chronicles chapter 29. David made it so plain. I'm only giving you that which you have given to us, O God. A mature believer would recognize that he is simply a, a vehicle between the source of blessings and the dispersion of blessings, of which he has a right, according to God, to be able to enjoy himself at at levels that uh, dignify his being a servant of God. But uh, people who are engaging in uh, behaviors that are fundamentally self-centered, that are designed for personal aggrandizement, um, are not operating out of a servant's uh, model, a servant's paradigm, and uh, and they will have to give an account for the wastefulness. That's fundamentally the parable that Jesus gave about the owner of the business who who had a servant who wasted his talents and he was called to account for uh, how how bad he had um misrepresented his stewardship and uh and 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 he was um he was kicked out of the stewardship and so uh many believers will face uh the consequences uh Darren of messing up their time messing up their talents and messing up their treasures. And that's not only true individually, but again, as I am just dealing with where we are in our nation, the same thing with our nation. Our nation is the same exact way. So, you know, Texas is a country to itself. My father, uh, my, my, the, my, my relatives on my father's side are, are all Texans. Uh, and I know something about the mentality of Texans that are in Texas. Uh, they're in a country on their own. And, and uh, unfortunately, what we do, and, uh, and this is absolutely true for Christianity virtually everywhere, we uh, culturalize our Christianity. And sometimes our culture uh, muzzles our Christianity uh, to our own community. Convenience and uh, in those areas where Christians do gamble, um, they're going to uh, experience the disapproval of God, uh, where they have been scandalous and wasteful with their resources. And it's not something for you to lose sleep over, nor I. But it's very, it's it's very clear in the scriptures, uh, brother Darren, that um, that we will have to give an account for our stewardship, time, uh, treasures and talent as well. We all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an answer for the things that we have done in our bodies, whether good or bad. I hope that helps you. Can can you comment on how a Christian poker player would tell you in response that he gives a percentage of all that he makes and uses the money in order to pay his bills and to support his family and um, and nothing 
nothing else beyond that. Right, of course. He, that, he would make that his profession. Uh, people do that in a lot of different fields that are questionable in terms of their testimony, not wanting to admit his association with a system of business that is addictive by nature and destructive. It would be the same thing with Christians that would be engaging in uh, running um, alcohol uh, uh, um, uh, dominated um, facilities um, as well. This is the same thing. This is what I'm saying about our treasures, our time and our talents. If they serve to become a stumbling block, then that's a lack of maturity on their part. If I am uh, engaging in a product, the sales and use of a product that I know uh, is really uh, designed to aid in a bet addiction on the part of many human beings, uh, then I am not being wise in my stewardship. So this is all about uh, immaturity on the part of a professing Christian, not recognizing his um, his his uh, testimony uh, and the impact of the gospel with regards to the choices that he's making for uh, his vocation is living. Notwithstanding also, Darren, and I'm going to let you go on this one. Uh, they, they don't always admit the fact that they lose a whole lot of money too. They lose a whole lot of money too. Thanks for the call, my dear brother. I got to take a break. Three lines are open. One triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine, one triple eight, three, six, seven, five, three, two, nine. We'll be right back. And now back to lifeline with Jesse Gistand. And we're back the time, 639 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Three lines open, one 367 one The DOG this Saturday, Daughter, Daughters of Grace, will be meeting, as you heard my sister Deb um, promoting it uh, a little while ago. And if you're not doing anything from 10 to 12, um, we're going to have a great time dealing with thoughtfulness. As you may have heard, uh, this Saturday, November 18th, from 10 a.m. to 12 uh, noon at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. And then also that morning, as you heard my dear brother Marlon speak about some work we're doing on 98th Avenue uh, at the park on the corner of 98th Avenue in Bancroft. You can't miss it. We'll be passing out turkeys um, for the uh, for from 8 to about 10. And if you want to go out with your family and do some uh, good deed expressions and get involved in that process, that's a great way of uh, affirming that uh, you thank God for the things that he has given you and maybe you'll need a turkey here or there. So go ahead on to do that. Go out on Saturday morning, engage in serving or come and be with our Daughters of Grace and engage in learning how to be thoughtful on a practical uh, level. It's going to be a great, great time. By the way, listener appreciation Friday, la- uh, last Friday was phenomenal at Valley Bible Church. For those of you who came out for the first time and I got a chance to meet with you and visit with you because you listen into the Way of Grace program on Wednesday. Um, we're so glad that you were able to make it out. It was a phenomenal time. It will be um, uh, viewable on our website at grace-bible.com. It's uh, streamed, videoed, so uh, you can hear uh, or watch the whole presentation. It was just a phenomenal time. Great turnout, great program, uh, and we thank Pastor Phil Howard of uh, Truth for Today, which airs on this station um, throughout the course of the weekend, the weekends as well. Let's go to line one and talk with Lee from Palo Alto. Hi, Lee. What's your question, observation, or comment? Hi. Well, I have an observation, uh, a concern, and a question. Mm -hmm. And my observation is that probably most of your listening audience would remember American culture from the 1920s, you know, until today. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have recollections of life as normal. 
Okay, my concern is the speed with which uh, Judge Roy Moore went from having an accusation against him to the head of the GOP calling for him to resign and whatever. That, to me, is unprecedented in terms of knee-jerk reactions and that anybody could say anything about anyone without any due process and then have people just believe it. I mean, people are calling... Uh, Roy Moore, uh, that he's lying in this poor woman and what she's gone through. And there's no reason at all for her to do this, you know, like an election isn't within a month. You know, and my concern would be that we in America kind of overall are ungrateful. We are an ungrateful lot. There's many cases where the hand of providence for God has has helped us, has intervened, and we are kind of an experiment. And I believe my biggest concern is we are going to lose it. Um, I believe it's Yale University where a Muslim donated a huge amount of money to teach Sharia law. Mm-hmm. Sharia law is already coming into parts of England. And in I think it's somewhere in Michigan, I can't remember the city, but they actually have a call to prayer. They have so many Muslims on city council, etc. Now, we know that the Muslim faith, and here in America, it may be kind of a hybrid in terms of, uh, you know, Expression. Christians or- may not be as badly, we may not be killed or in jail, we may go through what we're going through right now with the left, you know. I mean, it may not be. Women, though, I mean, I have a, a friend of mine that lives in Tehran, and her husband could have four wives. I know a woman who was in her 20s who was in Afghanistan. She was only, uh, believe it or not, 14 at the time, and a middle-aged man came in the middle of the night, gave her parents money, and she was whisked off to be his bride and had her son at the age of 15. Sure. So our culture of the idea that, oh, my, there's a teenager, a child molester and everything, in some cultures, that's completely normal. And if we are an ungrateful lot, if we see everything wrong with America and nothing good with it, if we do not credit God for the hand that he has blessed us with, we're going to lose it. And we're already, it's already starting. So I guess my question would be, we know how Christians are treated, we know how women are treated, and we know how uh, there's indoctrination. But how will Africans, Americans be treated under um, Sharia law if that comes to the United States? Um, I'm not sure if that's even relevant to the bigger picture, to be honest with you. Um, but um, if if, I, if you wanted me to respond to it... Um, African-Americans, if they are um, rooted in Western culture, will will push back on any of uh, the Middle Eastern cultural framework and Far Eastern cultural framework that uh, that Islam brings to the table, because at the end of the day, culture actually becomes law for everyone uh, in spite of religious tenets. So uh, that would be a struggle for um, for, let's say, 
present day, 21st century, postmodern, uh, liberal uh, African-Americans, as well as any other ethnic groups here in America. That will be pushed back against. It's not being pushed back against now because there's too much of a political dialectic taking place by which they are actually uh, the liberal progressive element is actually benefiting from um, some of the conflicts that are taking place and also what's taking place in terms of the integration trap. Uh, trap. Uh, and so right now it is a kind of blind uh, uh, allegiance to a set of ideologies that allows for um, a, a, a liability that can be far reaching um, on the part of a political view, largely the left uh, with respect to with respect to to Islam. Uh, it's it's it's, impre- it's unpredictable. Uh, Lee, to be honest with you, in terms of how it would work itself out in America versus how it has worked itself out historically in other countries. It's very predictable how it's worked itself out, particularly when it has actually become the majority, because Sharia law is certainly contrary to a Christian worldview. The problem is America is not a Christian nation. It's just not. Um, and we can debate that. But the fact of the matter is it's not. If it were, a, if it I were it, right, if it were a Christian nation, uh, it would never have tolerated the kind of syncretism that's been going on for many, many decades in America in its policies, in its uh, juridical laws uh, in, 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 in legislature uh, across the across the country. Uh, but what has actually infiltrated our culture is what's infiltrating cultures around the world and that's a liberal progressive ideology that basically has has um has uh, excuse God from the equation. And as such, the Bible plainly says, um, whatever nation forgets God shall be turned into hell. That's a that's an axiomatic principle um, that says you can't cut the oxygen off and not expect to die. Uh, and, and so that gets at the fundamental of your um, your 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 premise is that we're unthankful. Uh, but that's a complex question and you, uh, com- complex proposition as you might as well know. So we're dealing with a bunch of fronts uh, here in America. I mean, a bunch of fronts. Um, and, and, and I would say that if we would were to uh, isolate us into groups, the group that I would be concerned about in America, I'm concerned about all of them. But the one that I would be most concerned about is the Christian church, because the Christian church is not poised to be a successful mediator uh, in our present uh, Western cultural uh, demise uh, because of its capitulation on a ton of levels as well. In other words, you you use uh, Judge Roy Moore as an example. I'll just kind of integrate that because it's convenient. Um, In my opening monologue, I spoke about it. I spoke about the fact that when we're so tied up into a dialectic of left versus right, um, if he's our guy, then we will we will say he's innocent until proven guilty. But if he's the other guy, then we will say he's probably guilty until proven innocent. So Judge Roy Moore is that particularly for the left and the progressives. And as I had stated earlier as well, I don't have any confidence at all 
in the Republicans. I haven't for years uh, because what goes on in Washington has been evidentially by a trend for decades now, uh, backslapping, uh, empty, shallow policies that really doesn't constitute any real uh, preservation of essential values for uh, for American culture. Um, our, our politicians are easily sold out for money, um, for for power. And 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 this is evidenced also by a, a loss of of uh, coherent cultural identity that would be able to fence itself off from dangerous elements that may be coming in uh, from the outside because we have an unwise um, open uh, open border policy that doesn't take into account the historical factors that you can actually change a whole culture by integration policies, change a whole culture. So change is not bad if change is always moving toward that which is better. But if change is for change sake, period, then that's a problem. And this, again, is where um, uh, liberal leftist progressive policies that are rooted in an anti-biblical and anti-Christian biblical worldview um, is 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 one of the major problems that we are are dealing with that blinds them to the liability of change for any reason so long as God doesn't have a, a sovereign say over how we live and that's where we are and we are on the brink Lee of some some major catastrophes unless of God in his gracious uh, inscrutable judgments sees something that we don't see but as I also said earlier and I'll let you have the Last point before we take a break, um, we we are due to 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 repent as a nation. I'll be honest with you, we are due to repent as a nation. And I'm talking the leaders on down, not not just the common people, but the leaders on down for atrocities committed against the glory of God and the Ten Commandments that are fundamental to our health as a country and as a nation. And and we are experiencing the, the consequences of it after many, 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 many uh, uh, decades uh, and, and I would dare say centuries of, of violating the responsibility of to whom much is given, much is required. We just cannot go on uh, dismantling universal uh, axioms of, of moral and ethical principles that we know have their origin in God and in the truth of God's word and not to expect the consequences that the scriptures say will come upon us. Uh, and I haven't heard repentance from either left or the right uh, since I've been born. I don't think we're going to have repentance from the left, but I think that the right and and also, as you say, the church needs to be preaching that, which because there's the lack of it is making our country ripe for something like Sharia law. And I read a letter to the editor from Ernie Kanyu, who used to be in politics, and he was saying that with what happened with the Holocaust and uh, you know with the Israel Israelis, that um, the neighbors could have stopped that. Sure. But the first thing that happened was all their guns were confiscated, so they had absolutely no weapons. Yep. And so that's why so many people were just like lambs led to slaughter. We see, and you know what? they got away with it. And we, the same thing is going to happen here unless those of us that know better speak up. Yeah, we see the, par- we see the parallels. Thanks for the call. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline with Jesse Gistan. We're back. We're winding down the program. I probably could take one more call if you wanted to call in and chime in on what the what you heard our sister Lee speaking about concerning the uh, 
the gradual demise of our country. It's not something that many of us are not uh, keenly aware of. Uh, uh, and there are so many, um, so many components to it that can be addressed individually and then collectively as a whole. I think that if I'm going to best serve you in the next five minutes around the topic, I would simply say the parallels between ancient Israel being the people of God as a nation and America uh, being a quasi um, nation um, under uh, Christian principles uh, for many years um, have parallels in this, that Israel presumed its right of favor before God uh, while not living out the responsibility of favor before God. And God had already told them in covenant before they entered into the land. If you don't obey me, if you don't follow my laws, which are for your life. Um, the people of the lands will devour you. And eventually, eventually I will have to scatter you out from the land because it's not my land. It's my land. That's what God says. You read it for yourself. Leviticus 25, uh, Palestine, Jerusalem, all that. That's not Israel's land. You guys keep talking about it being their land. And they do, they do too, but it's not their land. It's God's land. That's what, that's why they ended up being scattered. It's God's land. And, and the people of God can be in danger of that as well. And, and especially Americans who would like to align their heritage with, uh, with biblical Christianity in terms of a biblical worldview and the founding fathers seeing principles to extract from the Judeo Christian, um, uh, uh, juridical principles to establish law. Uh, it, they brought themselves up under a kind of covenant as well, a covenant that fundamentally says that. Uh, if you obey these principles and you you love God and you love your neighbor and you walk in honesty and you walk in justice and righteousness, um, you'll be blessed. There's no doubt about that. That is a universal covenant principle by God with all nations. It doesn't have anything to do with salvation. It just has to do with God blessing nations. But when a nation begins to systematically unhinge the laws of God uh, and then begin to practice idolatry, the idolatry of wealth. The idolatry of pride, the idolatry of control and power um, over peoples, uh, enslaving people and controlling people uh, for their own uh, benefit, which is an undeniable history in the name of Jesus. By the way, you, you can't get away with that. That's just God won't have his name blasphemed in that kind of fashion. It always will come back to haunt you. And so in his mercy, he has allowed some of those uh, vices to be overcome through m many struggles, many, many struggles. And yet the leadership of our country has not returned to God. Just it's just not been a fact. This is left or right. The right pretends. But it doesn't return. As God said to Israel, you have returned to the land, but you haven't returned to God. And I see the direct parallels in that regard. And in terms of fear of Islam, um, the fear is valid, I suppose. But he, the only fear is, is that this nation not having a God will come up under the the uh, servile control of, of another religion at some point. Uh, and the religion would be Islam. That's the fear that people have. Well, we deserve to have fear as a nation. <laughs> When you don't obey the true and the living God, uh, perfect love casts out all fear. It does. And fear has torment. And our nation has a conscience that bothers them because of its historical crimes and things that are committed that we need to work through. And until we work them through, um, God will sit on his throne and he will do like he did with Israel. Let Babylon, Medo, Persia, uh, the Grecian kingdom, and then ultimately the Roman Empire to do what he needs to do to chastise his people anywhere around the world. This is why I said Brother Don's prayer in his own personal struggles of departing from the Lord is a paradigm, is a model, an example 
example of what we're talking about. So my 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 request to us as a nation is that we would repent before God's judgment becomes a hammer that crushes us in the uh, infamous ex- expression of his displeasure so that the whole world sees us in booty and in bondage because we think that we can dare live without God's grace. That's my prayer prophetically and priestly to the whole of those of you who are listening. Until then, God bless you. Bye-bye. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Media Group. All rights reserved.